Welcome to our Tignum Thoughtcast, where we get together with our clients and experts and we dig a little deeper into one of our Tignum thoughts. Today, I'm super excited and thrilled because I get to sit here with Penny Heaton, the CEO of the Gates Medical Research Institute. And if you want to talk about growing on the go, I think, Penny, you are probably the greatest example. I mean, back in 2018, I think it was January, you opened the Gates Medical Research Institute as employee one. A brand new CEO, no experience as a CEO. Of course, you had been a leader, you'd been in the field, and all of a sudden you had this huge goal to serve those in the most need and the poorest in the world by trying to fight malaria and TB and diarrheal diseases. And I remember as we sat there, you want to talk about pressure. You know, I think you said five people, five lives were potentially lost every minute. And so your starting line was unlike any starting line. So I want to welcome you to our, to our ThoughtCast today. Oh, thank you, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's just jump right in. We want to talk about growing on the go, this whole concept of the world is changing at such a fast pace and we need to be able to grow. We don't have time always to check out. We have to almost grow every day, every week. And sometimes we need to grow in a meeting and actually get better. And so my first question is, you know, if you reflected back on the penny of January 2018, and then you compared that to the penny of April 2021, what changes would we see? You know, I've grown so much. It's January 2nd of 2018. Uh, Many, many changes. And there are so many to choose from. But probably one of the biggest ones is just learning how to manage big decisions in a much more efficient manner. I remember one of my biggest challenges that I used to talk to you about all the time was the fatigue that came from having to make so many decisions. As you indicated, I mean, this was a startup. It was me, a a business plan, and a borrowed administrative assistant in a WeWork space in Cambridge, Massachusetts, getting this up off the ground. And every day I was faced with a gazillion decisions. And by the end of the day, I would just be so exhausted from trying to decide everything about where we were going to eat lunch all the way to what new asset we were going to prioritize to bring into the Institute early on. And over time, I learned that I didn't have to make all those decisions. My administrative assistant could make some of the decisions like lunch, et cetera. I even engaged my family to help me with the decisions. I would tell my husband on weekends, I don't want to make a decision about what restaurant we're going to or what movie we're going to see. You make those decisions. So I learned to conserve my energy and really focus on the big ones that I needed to be involved with. And of course, as I added my staff, my chief of staff, my leadership team, I was able to delegate even more decisions. So that's one huge change where I make sure that I am preserving my energy for the things that are really significant and that I utilize those around me to really help make other decisions that can drive the organization in a good way. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I remember that episode when we were struggling with cognitive fatigue. And one of the things we know is when our brain gets tired, feedback blunting happens. And so we can't take in the feedback that we need in order to grow on the go, to self-observe. And so I remember us talking about even building in some crossword puzzles or some games in the morning and in the afternoon just to give your brain a checkout 
and to kind of reorganize. What other strategies are you using now for your cognitive fatigue or maybe even your emotional fatigue, which we've talked a little bit about in other episodes? Yeah, I'll I'll never forget something that you said to me, Scott. You said that big fatigue and and a big objective such that I had that that required massive recovery. And massive recovery, of course, uh, takes many forms. As you said, it's the little things during the day, you know, having my assistant set up my meetings in in a certain way so that I had energy giving meetings that would alternate with energy taking meetings that would alternate with energy giving meetings. Uh, But some of the the other things I learned that I had to do for that massive recovery was to really pay attention to setting boundaries and in the evenings, making sure that I set a time where I really checked out and transitioned to home and totally went into my home space with with a really focused and and targeted mindset. The other things that, that I have done uh, to recover from emotional fatigue. One of the big ones is I started taking power naps and during the day, uh, just short little power naps. And I would get away from those, but now I've learned I have to stick with those, you know, in the afternoons. I would have these big, uh, my circadian rhythm was such, I would have these big dips in the evening or in the late afternoon, uh, early evening. And uh, so taking that power nap was so important. Another thing, though, that has really helped uh, is meditation as well. I try to meditate no less than four times a week. And then I do that in the mornings. And then throughout the day, if I need those quick breaks, I uh, stop and just do some breathing exercises or, or sit in focus, listen to some music, etc. And one of the things, Scott, you said that resonated, as I said earlier, was that massive recovery. How can I massively recover? So actually, we went to the extent of getting a little place by the sea up here on the North Shore of Boston uh, so that on weekends I can truly escape and get away from the city and, uh, you know, go for long walks and smell the salty air and enjoy the wildlife And that has helped just tremendously. And I must say, I would not have necessarily done that or done that as quickly if it had not been for what I was learning through my coaching and and the Tignum process. Yeah, so it's interesting, Penny, because in a previous session, you know, we were talking with Voss, the CEO of Novartis, and for him, going into the mountains is his kind of checkout. And then for you, going to the beach And being able to walk along the shore and being around the water and the ocean is a great checkout. And we even built into Tignum X, our our digital platform, some mental imageries for those two situations so that people could take a five-minute checkout. You talked about using meditation. Just a five-minute mental imagery in the middle of the day that can give them that feeling that you've now built into your life and, and on the weekends. And so I like that you're, that you're doing that. I like that you took recovery so seriously because you realized that it was the game changer for you if you were going to be able to make these tough decisions. And that comes back then to this concept, you know, that Tignum is so committed to that human beings can't outperform our own self-image. And so we have to create it. And having worked with you now for many years, I've gotten to see you update and evolve your to-be vision. How has that guided your growth, this kind of constant evolution of who you want to be? You know, Scott, it's it's so fascinating that, that you talk about that because just a couple of days ago, I was looking at 
my first to be vision. I actually still have the form from the class. It's got coffee stains on it. You know, it's uh, all wrinkled and I don't know how many years old it is because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's several years old. I looked at it and, and the first sentence is, I am an energetic, highly competent leader who is passionate about having significant impact on global public health. And then I looked at the one I wrote when we entered the pandemic and we're starting to address COVID. And it says, I am a strong, indefatigable, passionate leader who believes that the poorest should be urgently protected from COVID using the same technical sophistication as for the rich. And I was just actually astonished uh, that, uh, at the difference in the tone between uh, you know, the two. And, um, you know, I think they've evolved because uh, I've taken the time to really learn and and reflect. And that's something I I wasn't doing well early on. And in talking with you, I realized I needed to set aside daily time to reflect on how I was doing as well as, you know, monthly time and, and set aside think days, think days where I could actually not just think about the overarching strategy of the organization, but also think about how I was doing and what I could do better to lead the organization and help us achieve our mission. And over time with those reflections on what I've done well and what I want to improve, et cetera, that's built confidence and that has really changed my mindset. I I find it Fascinating as I reflect back just how much my to-be vision has evolved. And of course, that's really helpful in reframing. We've talked about that a lot. You know, I have these triggers. I'm triggered if I feel like I'm being disrespected or I'm triggered if, um, you know, I feel like that someone doesn't trust me because, you know, my intentions are to be the best I can be and do the best job that I can. So if I get a question or a challenge that is antithetical to that, uh, I, I can get really emotionally triggered. And so thinking through, recognizing, first of all, that I've been triggered, thinking through the intentions of what, um, you know, whoever made the statement, what they mean, and then reframing that and, and looking back at, well, what's my intention? What, who am I? And what is my to be vision? And coming back and reading that has helped me continuously as I've evolved on this journey and certainly helped me over the last year in dealing with the crises of COVID. And so it's um, it's fascinating how over the years, you know, this stuff really works. It's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's so much to unpack what you just said. I mean, this concept that well, none of us are going to be perfect. And I love that even in your current to be vision, you built in being vulnerable, being authentic, being humble. And people don't often think of that from a CEO. In fact, they probably from the outside looking in think you have it all figured out and don't realize that this growing on the go is a constant process for you. And you talked about a couple things that I want to just peel back a little bit. I mean, one, you talked about emotion labeling. So taking the time in your reflection to reflect on what is it that I'm really feeling? Because when we're busy, everything kind of starts to just feel like I'm just tired or I'm just overwhelmed. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit more about how you've done that? Because I think emotion labeling is a skill that a lot of people miss. Yeah. So for me, it took a while to get to the point uh, that I was aware that I was being even 
triggered. And I started to realize uh, that, you know, the, the times that I'm, I'm triggered and I'm feeling those negative emotions come mostly when I'm fatigued. So it's a matter of just being self-aware of where I am on my readiness scale, so to speak, and just being hyper aware that on those days that uh, I may be more sensitive than, you know, at at other days uh, where things might just kind of roll off my back. So that's been part of the journey for me is just recognizing when I'm most vulnerable to that. And then the other piece of it is, uh, I, I think meditation is how it's actually understanding, like I feel a physical change, you know, it's a visceral reaction and actually recognizing that for what it is that, um, you know, I'm not just tired and I'm not just tense, but that there's an emotion uh, under that that can be labeled. And uh, so it's just taken a lot of practice at recognizing it's happening in the first place. And then just to be really honest about what it is that I'm feeling. And once I identified my triggers, it was, and, and uh, you know, we worked through that, uh, of course, a few, I've worked through that a few times with you and in, in our courses with the leadership team, what are our biggest triggers? Once I learned that and then uh, had more self-awareness about when I was most vulnerable, that's really helped me to get to the point where I can name it and reframe it, uh, so to speak. And I actually, Scott, have a sticky note on my monitor and that uh, reminds me to do this. Uh, it's get emotional fatigue, underline, underline, when I feel negative, name it and then reframe it uh, so that on those days when I'm tired, I don't forget. That's great. Cause you know, in this complex, very kind of digital world, we forget just a simple sticky note, maybe to be the reminder that we need and we all get busy and sustainable human performance is a choice that we make and we have to have little reminders. So I actually, I, I love that you're doing that. And I also like, there's a nuance that you talked about that people may miss. You talked about meditation and this kind of reset. And I love meditation as this reboot, like shutting my computer down, allowing it to boot back up. It's a great process for clearing our mind. But you added another element that I think is really the key to your success and the key to sustainable human performance. And that's the intentions that you set coming out of that meditation. So now that you've done this reset, who do you want to be going forward? So maybe just share with us a little bit how you do this intention setting, because I think that's super powerful. So a, a couple of different ways. One is I like to read my to-be vision in the mornings. Uh, so and it, it just puts me in a different frame of mind somehow. I, I, you know, there will be mornings when I'm feeling a little negative when I get up, a little tired, et cetera. And yes, you know, I can read through my to be vision and go da 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 da. And when I find myself doing that, just reading the words and not feeling it, I, I make myself stop and then really read it and think about it. So, in a way, it's almost like a form of, of meditation, you know, really make my mind focused and not allowing it to wander and really thinking on the words. So the other way that I do intention setting is really preparing for meetings or for those big events during the day that are going to require super high performance. And so I love the Tignum Prep. My leadership team loves the Tignum Prep. In fact, we utilize it throughout the entire organization. If a team is getting ready to have a big meeting with a client or with the board, et cetera, we sit down and purposefully go through, okay, 
what are our intentions for this meeting? So we do it personally and we do it as a team. How do I want to be perceived? What do I want them to feel? What do I want them to know? What do I want them to do? So we get very deliberate with setting these intentions. And of course, all of that in the backdrop of the to be vision and who we are as individuals and what we're trying to accomplish. It's been amazing how that prep can turn a meeting from something that we're really worried about the outcome to something that we can shape and influence the outcome in such a way that it's really fruitful for everyone. And what I have found with that intention setting also has changed relationships for me. It's um, changed. It's really strengthened my relationship with certain key stakeholders that are really important uh, to the Gates MRI. Uh, Just by really paying attention before going into those meetings and those interactions, especially the sensitive ones or the ones that may be controversial. It's just been a magnificent tool. And when you look at where we are now with some of our stakeholder relationships and where I was with some of my stakeholder relationships, where I am now versus a year ago or two years ago, it's it's amazing the difference. I keep saying, you know, Scott, this stuff works. It's just <laughs> tremendous. Yeah, well, it's great. I mean, you put the work in and not that it's hard work, but it's consistent choices that you make, which I really, really think that you're a perfect example of that. I mean, what people don't realize is you start the Gates Medical Research Institute in 2018 in January, but by 2019, you've already expanded the scope of your work so that now you're including improving the outcomes in maternal and newborn health and other things. And then COVID comes in 2020. And now the organization needs to take on more and the world needs these connections, these relationships that you've built. And you did that even built into your to be vision again, to be an energy multiplier, to be an energy giver. And so it's something purposeful that you've done. And then the other piece that I really love that you just talked about is you took it from you as a leader to your team and then them as leaders to their teams. And that's really how we build sustainable human performance into into a culture. So I'm going to ask you one last question, which might seem a little funny, because again, from the outside looking in, I mean, it really looks like Penny Heaton is just kicking butt and taking names and changing the world and trying to save lives. Do you ever lose your confidence? And how, what do you do when you do lose your confidence if you do? <laughs> oh, yes, I definitely lose my confidence. And it can be from uh, coming up against a, a difficult technical issue and and not really knowing the science and then starting to say, what, what am I doing? Or all the way to, you know, coming up, it's a difficult organizational issue. I mean, think about it, Scott, we've just been hit, as you alluded to, with what I've called the perfect storm with my leadership team. I mean, so here we are, you know, a three-year-old organization. We've grown faster than I've ever dreamed, uh, which is fantastic. But of course, uh, even what is fantastic comes with strength or with stress, I should say. And we've needed strength to address that. We have pivoted. We, we thought we were going to be the small translational medicine organization. Now we are an organization that's doing both late stage as well as early stage development with a much bigger portfolio. So that's meant 
bringing in new team members, but doing it during COVID remotely. So there are many team members. We've only met those little squares on the screen. We've never actually met in person. And so the leadership team has new members on it. So we're all adjusting and getting to know each other and, uh, and, and figuring out our roles. But as we are, have our still growing tremendously. And then, of course, there's a pandemic and we have, you know, responded to the pandemic, uh, did a clinical trial with a potential intervention, as well as leading some data management teams and, and things like that. So it's just been a really crazy time and all, of course, while working remotely. Uh, and and so, you know, through all of this, I must say that there have been times I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I'm, I'm trying to you know, continue to evolve this organization, bring on new leaders, do this all during a pandemic. And, and this is just insane. This is crazy. But as, as far as how do I get it back? And it's really reflecting. So I find that board meetings are always a good time to reflect. You know, we have a quarterly board meeting. We just had one last week. So as I was preparing the board documents, I started to reflect. It was like, oh my gosh, we've really accomplished so much in the last quarter. And of course, in the last year. But then uh, we had, a, I always have a town hall after the board meeting to share the board uh, the board's input with with the whole organization. And at the town hall, I got a question last week. Uh, and uh, one of uh, the employees asked me, said, what's our scorecard look like? What kind of grade would you give us? And, you know, I shared with him, well, when I think about it, if you would have asked me three years ago, would we be here at this time with this growing portfolio of these four clinical trials that are on track, several new assets coming in. We just did a COVID study that we got up and going in 10 weeks from the time we formed the team to the time the first patient was enrolled. Uh, you know, we're about to have our first data from that study, our first clinical study report. And, um, and, and we did all of this while working remotely. I said, one thing I would say is maybe we underestimated ourselves. We feel like stressed and, oh my gosh, are we really doing you know, can we do this and, and can we do this smarter, et cetera? But, but when I step back and reflect, uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe we did underestimate ourselves. Who knows like three years from now where we could be. And so for me, that's how I get my confidence back is I take that time to reflect and really think about, wow, if you're working with an amazing group of people like I'm working with and, and an amazing team, you got very clear mission, your eyes focused on the goal, you can do so much more than you ever imagined. Uh, so for me, it's about reflection. Yeah, that's so cool. And what's what's really interesting, again, is your reflection is with an intention. <laughs> it's not just I sit here and let my brain go and just reflect, but you're actually looking for what you did well. You're looking for the impact that you made. And it is funny when you think of an athlete at the end of a game, at the end of a competition, at the end of a season, they have a certain level of fatigue and they accept that because that's the cost of having really put all your effort to be your best. And in business, sometimes we look at fatigue as what a horrible thing. Oh my God, I'm tired at the end of the day, but it's normal. And when you look at the impact that you're making, I just want to thank you, not just for taking the time for this interview, but taking the time for what the work you're doing, you know, whether it's COVID now and helping the world get back to where we need to be or this idea that every minute five lives are potentially lost 
in developing countries and, and how important the work that you're doing is. So thank you for taking the time. I know how valuable your time is. And thank you for sharing so many great insights around growing on the go. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Scott. My pleasure. And thank you for everything that you do, because you help so many leaders uh, around the world. And uh, you have no idea of the impact that, that you're having. It is truly tremendous. So thank you as well. Thank you. So now, as you digest so many great things that Penny Heaton shared with us about growing on the go, about reflecting and about reflecting with a purpose, about setting intentions, and about even managing her emotional state using emotion labeling and reframing, here's a few questions for you to reflect on. Do you grow on the go? Do you ever take the time? And where is that time that you reflect on, are you being the person you want to be? Do you have your own personal to-be vision? So kind of a map, if we're going to grow on the go, we need to have a map that we're kind of reflecting upon and trying to become. Do you have your own self-image statement, your own to-be vision of you at your best and maybe even stretching yourself? And do you ever lose your confidence and how do you get it back? How do you actually use reflecting, reflecting on success, reflecting on the impact that you're making so that you can get it back and you can grow on the go. And then finally, do you share with other people this growth journey that you are on, realizing that we're all vulnerable, but hopefully we're also curious about ourselves, curious about how good we can be, and curious about the impact we can make. I hope these reflection questions help you make the most out of this Tignum Thoughtcast, and I hope you enjoy your journey to becoming a sustainable human performer.